Hey everybody, our pal John at Giant Squid Productions made a Jamestown Lunar-based t-shirt. It's for sale now. Check it out. He's a fan of the show. Maybe you want to wear one. tinyurl.com slash jamestownbase or look for the link in the show notes. Here we are. It's season two, episode 10 of For All Mankind, the big finale, The Gray. I'm Jason Snell. Joining me, as always, to talk about this season of For All Mankind one last time, it's Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Uh, Previet, Jason. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I'm still, I still got Nirvana in my head, uh, <laughs> but Very, uh, we should... Come as that, you are, Jason. Uh, uh, oh, man. That like the moment that it starts, the song starts playing. I'm like, here we go. We're going into the '90s. It's gonna happen. But we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get Whoa. there. There's so Boy, much before then. There. So much before then. A couple things happened this week. <sighs> well, they did it, as we said last week. They did manage to resolve the big thing that seemed very hard for them to resolve. <laughs> Was I? I just to like. Take a 35,000-foot view here for mm-hmm. a second. I felt like this was the most I don't want science fictional TV show-ish. I don't know. It was a lot happens in this episode, and some of it gets... I think there will be people who complain about this show jumping the shark at this point. That is my guess. Interesting. Just because there is stuff here that is wild, right? Like, <laughs> there is stuff here that feels very much like a... Oh man, we're going here. Like we're we're having people like you know. There was a whole big argument not to give something away from another show. There's a whole big argument in another show this year when somebody went outside of a spaceship. Yes, <laughs> and I thought as I watched this week's episode, like man, people are. Hopefully, they learned something from that experience and will translate it to like, okay, it is a thing here. Uh, but some of it is just so it's it's a little over the top at f- a few points. I liked it mm-hmm. a lot. I enjoyed it. I repeatedly laughed out loud or exclaimed, oh my god. <laughs> but it is definitely a like heightened <laughs> like experience. It's more like watching almost like watching like an action movie at times. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are well, that was my worry last week was with the way they set up this finale were they stuffing it too full um and having a full finale is not a problem but like i was thinking about uh star trek discovery which i cover weekly with scott mcnulty this year uh season three of that and and i had this fear fear because the show has done it before that they really are loading everything into the finale and a finale even if you can run an hour and 15 minutes like it's a lot of weight a lot of load of your season arc to be born in the final episode and my Mm -hmm. worry last week was that they had loaded this so to the brim that the only way out at this point again it's not not a problem to load it the problem is the only way to resolve it if you load it up beyond a certain point is by a lot of like shorthand or by dismissing things very rapidly in a way that makes the pacing of the season feel strange and i'm not saying that this season necessarily did that but that's the risk you take is you spend nine hours laboriously setting up all of the things and then because it's the 10th hour you very quickly knock them all down and that's bad, I, in my opinion, 
that leads to bad pacing because you don't give you give a lot of things detailed looks in the beginning of the show and when it comes down to the end where it all matters you can only give it a, a glancing blow because you've got too much and you you've kind of miscalculated and right, last right. week's episode was so packed that i feel like they really were kind of like letting it sprawl over two episodes but that is you know after last week's episode ended i thought i don't know there's still a lot going on and there are a few moments in this especially at the end where uh, and this may be the jump the shark uh moment i don't think that the show jumped the shark i guess we'll find out if season three is bad we can claim it i won't i won't necessarily argue that case either but i think some people would would might feel like this got uh more uh, I don't. I don't know what the right word is. It's like over the top, I guess. Just like I like some of it is it verges on that point a little bit. Yeah. The and the the resolution ultimately is uh, first off, it's what you probably guessed it was. Um, it's why the Apollo Soyuz thing has been going on in the background. Is you know I'm sure that somebody out there has said. Oh boy, you know, the resolution is going to be that they're going to shake hands in Apollo Soyuz and everybody's going to realize that we really should not kill each other and be friends. And that's literally what happens. So, although I will say probably pretty close to what Ronald Reagan would do in a situation like that. I always felt like they are playing, uh, not that Ronald Reagan wasn't very stern with the Soviet Union, but also he was the one who met Gorbachev and... Uh, I think there was always this feeling like Reagan wanted to make the big step to kind of defuse things with the Russians as well. Uh, and if, if anybody was sort of the showman president up exactly. more recently, and, he definitely had that eye on like the entertainment, right? Like, and, and that, appreciate moment, the symbolism of the yes, global exactly. moment and, and yes. understand that. Also, by the way, I'll say since we're talking about this sort of resolution part before we get to the whole episode, um, when Reagan calls and he says this was very meaningful for me and and uh, and uh, and Nancy think so too i thought that was really funny because that's exactly what reagan would say reagan always was like oh and nancy here's what nancy has to say and you're like she's not the president you're the president he's like doesn't matter i'm going to tell you how nancy feels about this too that was a reagan thing so i thought they they kind of nailed that um but still i think that you could point to that and be like kind of a magic moment <laughs> like yeah. ah but we yeah. saw the symbolism and symbolism solved this problem everybody everybody hug it out uh, and I, I get that they're that that I mean there, there's a little bit of a survivor paradox happening here, but since we are all alive, I would say history shows that a lot of times you get to the brink and then yeah. you back away that, from the uh, brink. That that is kind there's of no the thing, history anymore. Uh-huh. Right, right. That that is the thing that kept me more grounded in this episode is realizing like, well, crazy, crazy stuff happened in. You know, the, during the Cold War, right? Yeah, there were Cuban times, Missile Crisis is a great example, right? Or example, that right? story, was it the Cuban Missile Crisis, the other one with, like, the one guy who decided it was a, it was, it was a test? Probably a test and shouldn't fire right. his missiles. And didn't yeah. fire his missiles, right? Like, stuff like that happens. It really does. But you're always, the, the trouble is you, you stuck with that whole truth is stranger than fiction situation where when you're writing fiction, you, you have to follow rules. Whereas yeah. in the reality, you don't. So it's always, yeah. it's a double-edged sword. It's unfortunate, right? Like, you have to work harder to justify yourself when you're telling a story because people won't believe even if it's too if it's like even if it's something that actually happened well and the 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 what we walk away from this season and we will at the end talk about sort of where the show is going but what we walk away from is the this has been an opportunity for both sides to de-escalate because really when you're at a point when you have mutually assured destruction you're looking for a way out and it's sort of right. like what is our way out how do we how do we have the ability to back off 
and not destroy each other. And, you know, there are things that happen in this episode that provide that opportunity. But the other message of this episode is the Cold War is not over. Like, we don't know what's in store for the Soviet Union over the next decade, because this is a decade uh, that between now and, the, and season three. It's a decade where the Soviet Union, spoilers for history, uh, Soviet Union broke up and was no longer the Soviet Union. And, of course, we're in a parallel timeline here. We're in alternate history. But uh, there's a question there. But at least the last we see is, you know, lots of military or KGB guys sort of saying, yes, uh, Margot has helped us before, and she will help us again whether she knows it or not. <laughs> Which is very much like Cold War continues, right? Cold War continues yeah. even though they've backed away from the brink. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's there's obviously uh, a lot going on there. We don't we don't see enough of the the br- our brief glimpse of the '90s does not tell us whether or not it's sort no. of ongoing. But we again, this is, is in there, the same way that I said no last week. This, on Mars, as far as we can tell, there. or is there? What are they wearing underneath? Underneath. I don't know. Yeah. Um, in the Stay same tuned. way we talked about last week that this isn't a show about World War Three. You know, it's also not necessarily a show about the, the Soviet Union collapsing either. <sighs> right. Not necessarily. We don't know. We but don't. I, I feel like they're trying to keep that conflict alive a little bit longer than it would right. be in our world. Although I think the fact that it's a boot on the on on the surface of Mars and we don't know more than that is also interesting because I have wondered throughout this season how is the premise of the show that the Cold War spurs us into more space exploration and the Cold War goes on and on and on and on, or is the premise of the show that the Cold War spurs us into space exploration. And then from that point, the space exploration spurred by other things maybe goes on and on and on and on. And that Mm -hmm. we just needed that initial push. And I, and so the first two seasons have been very much about the Cold War, but as they enter that third season where in our history, the Soviet union broke apart and we started cooperating with Russia on space projects. I think that's a question like, And I don't know the answer, but I'm fascinated. Like, do we see the fade out of the Russians and maybe a rise of the Chinese, let's say, right? as we move into the 21st century with For All Mankind, where there's still competition in space, but it's not the Cold War? Do you, you know, because really the the story of the 90s is not the Cold War. The story of the 90s is a a different kind of uh, realignment of international uh, power. So... Uh, unless For All Mankind is really committed to the Cold War storyline, maybe they're going to tell a different kind of story. I, maybe it's an international cooperation story in, in season three. I guess yeah. we'll find out in a year. Well, we'll find out. I I thought it was interesting. I can't remember if it was this week or last week. There is an offhanded mention to uh, Mir, which I think is the first time it gets mentioned. There's a brief bit where they're like, oh, it's just hanging out at the space. It docked yeah. with their space station. And you see like a one little graphic and it shows Mir on there. Right. And I was like, I don't think we've ever mentioned before that they, no, I mean, they, of course they did in the real world. They had the space is. station, but yeah, there it is. So, right. I don't know. All right. Well, in this episode, so much happens and we should probably get to it. Um, first off, uh, an interesting thing. They, um, they 
have taken over Jamestown and they've gotten them. Mission Control's like, what's going on? We got a sensor says you've got a, a depressurization. And they're like, no, it's fine here. Everybody's fine. We're fine. How are you? How are you? <laughs> um, and, and that's because the, the, the cosmonauts are there and they've taken charge and they've taken uh, the commander of the base captive. And they're like, where is the defector? Uh, I don't know, he says. And they don't believe him because, of course, he knows. Um, and so we, we know right away that we've got this kind of... Uh, uh, diehard going on in in Jamestown base where there are, are armed Russians um, on the base, and then there are elsewhere there are there are other people. Um, we know the tracing Gordo are in you know conveniently now. It turns out uh, we're like oh well that's why they've been in that airlock all along. <laughs> uh, mm. And but you you get that really um, good moment where that they. they they're like they don't know what's going on and the cosmonauts going by and they're like oh no but they're hiding and yeah it's just so it's good very uh very jurassic park uh as they're hiding you know maybe the fortunately the cosmonauts can't open the doors because it's not pressurized yeah um oh. yeah so they're in the mess which is also the old jamestown base right. which becomes significant mm-hmm. um and we have the marines are elsewhere with the defector yeah uh and we have the russians roaming around in sort of the depressurized sections that connect the different modules right um so there's a lot of tension here because nobody can get anywhere uh you know the the tracy and gordon don't have any suits or anything so it's not like they can go out and even if they could there's you know russians with ak-47s roaming the halls exactly Uh, and of course at the same time we also have uh danny in orbit with apollo soyuz and ed and piscotti and sally ride on pathfinder and nobody really knows what's going on right. with anybody else which i think is fascinating that they make it it's a while before we realize what's going on on jamestown base before earth realizes it um on on pathfinder ed is supposed to sleep but he can't he's still troubled by all the issues that were brought up by karen when she made you know, the latest in her series of bad decisions um and we get that moment where you know Margo wants information about what's going on on Pathfinder and Ellen can't because it's classified. Um, You're making friends left and right, says Molly, who has really grown into her job. Yep. Yep. I I love that a lot. I love the bit where uh, she's talking to, you know, basically backing up uh, uh, Margo on canceling Apollo Soyuz and Aleda is also there and she's like come on like we came this far and of course she speaks up and Bill keeps trying to be like it's fine it's okay and she flips him off and Molly's like I like her (laughs) I like her yeah and you're like yeah that makes sense Uh yeah and then the Apollo thing I mean they're up there right so and we find out that they're up there and they they are like positioned to do this but they have to get the word and they keep orbiting and they haven't gotten the word from down below which I don't know about you I very I, I immediately thought they're just going to do it. They're just going to oh, yeah. spite. They're just oh, going to spite yeah. them and do it. You because can see one how of the truths of space is. is you can't really stop us. <laughs> right. And yeah. I'm the commander of my ship. Right. There's also that, that argument. That, that that scene is to me hilarious because it's that bit where um as margo kind of takes a shot at molly for like this is what happens when you don't reprimand the astronauts <laughs> for doing like when she uh she gave ed and gordo the slap on the wrist right. earlier in the season for their dog oh, fight yeah. antics and margo's like this is what happens when yeah. you, do, when you let them run unchecked and molly's like <laughs> yeah, um, whatever the uh we get an early scene here where karen uh walks into sam's uh fancy uh building so he's a building. he's an in- investor of some kind yeah, capital right. yeah and she's signing away the it's officially signing the papers to sell the the bar um 
and there's that that line of you worry, you know, because their their spouses are are both in space, and you worry. And she says, "Pot really helps," which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, and uh, you have any second thoughts about this? And she's like, "Nope, I'm ready. Like she's ready to move on with her life. She's going to do this. She's selling the bar." Um, and that's that's all we get of that. Uh, but Ed, meanwhile, um, you know, they're approaching insertion there's no sign of baron which is out there like the soviet space shuttle is out there and and what is it doing um and then we get like the the global thing with antrobov and reagan have had a uh conversation it's like they say sea dragon will not enter lunar orbit and we don't recognize your blockade and he says it's not a blockade it's a quarantine because you're bringing weapons and reagan's like there aren't weapons and if you fire on baron we will fire on you says Andropov. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's not great there. The, we see the escalation, um, Apollo still waiting and then, and then, uh, Margot gets a message from Sergey that basically says, oh, well, you know, the coordinates zero seven, eight, five, three, two, three, six, five, eight, seven, two for the docking opportunity coordinates. It's a phone number. She goes to a pay phone. I think it's amusing that uh, apparently the, he thinks that he can evade the KGB by going to a pay phone. I I thought that was a dumb move on his part because (laughs) I'm like star city pay phone. That's got labeled like absolutely no KGB. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Literally like you think they're not listening to that. Come on. Oh, but yeah, he tell, well, and he did, I, I, so a couple of things. One, I enjoy the Pathfinder Buran bit because it feels a little bit uh, Hunt for Red October. Yes, with the the two where, subs, sort of like it, it's submarine, like very much. Is where are they? We can't yeah. see them. We, or it's that, or Star Trek Two is the other thing I thought of. Right, right? where right. they where, where Khan and the Enterprise are on opposite sides of the planetoid, and it's like, well, where are they? We don't know. Where's well, the Enterprise? It's a little uh, little Crimson Tide there too at the uh, in the bit where uh, Ed wants to fire his missiles. Yeah, uh, that's you true. Get a little bit. Yeah, uh, which is whoa, there's a lot. There's a lot, as we said. So yeah, Sergey says basically, no, tr- it's not. We're not stalling. Our avionics are broken. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I don't know. I guess is plausible. Like he's got a good yeah. rationale. It's like we can't be seen to be like you know our stuff is all broken on on you know international television mm. will look stupid and you know the the the, the rush you know the Soviet Union cannot look stupid, which seems plausible. I don't know that I buy it entirely, but it seems yeah. plausible. I mean, it, it, it could be an excuse inside a, it, you know, it's a lie inside a lie, lie with a lie yeah. inside it. But right. um, either way, that's his his explanation, and it does it does build up their rapport of going outside channels, which as we see at the end when he's talking to her and the KGB is like, or the military is like, good, good, she will help us. Is you you get the feeling that she is a, um they've identified her as somebody who can provide information outside the chain of events that they find useful, which is not the same as being a spy. Um, well, it's, it's being an sh- asset. It's being an asset, which is essentially, you know, what some may call also a useful idiot to yep. a certain extent. It's yep. not quite that role, but it's, it's, she is going to be co-opted in the sense that she gave them the information about the rocket boosters and which like, right. right. Which her, she was doing, right. She's just doing right. humanitarian thought, things and, exactly. and they know that, but they don't care because it means that she's willing to go outside of channels and exactly. break the rules to pass right. information to the Soviet and, union. And that's useful. And I think it's clear to me, at least from that, that Sergey is also an unwilling participant. Yes. So he does not seem happy about this. That, I watched that scene again, a second time. Because I was thinking, what's my read on Sergey? And the way it's played, I would say 
he is an unwilling participant. Yes. That, I mean, that, it's staged. They're all on the other side of the desk from him, yep. right? Like, it's kind of like there's a physical barrier between them. He he's not looks happy unhappy. when he hangs up the yes. phone with... He's, he's right. asked her on a date, essentially, and he hangs up yeah. the phone when she says, maybe... And he's not happy about it, right? And we know yeah. that there's some chemistry there. So I think I think he's unhappy about this whole situation, that he is like her, somebody who's yes. concerned about the larger humanitarian issues here and is being used by the Soviet, uh, you know, apparatus to get information out of her. And it really is like she was doing you a favor because she believes that your cosmonaut shouldn't die in an explosion. Yeah. And your response is, she could be useful to us, right? Well, that, like, is, right. that is the KGB all yep. over, right? Other right? opportunists. And I think you could strongly argue that were this relationship to come to light, the CIA would probably be doing the exact same thing to Margot. Sure. <laughs> like, she might have an option not to do it, unlike Sergei, who does not have an option not to do it. Dan, but space, they would try to get out of her. In space, all warriors are cold warriors. Oh, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> no one can hear you betray your country. It's better in the original Klingon. Mm. Um, the so yes, we we do get that scene where uh, where they're like uh, Alita uh, gives a finger. Molly's like, I like this one. <laughs> yeah, so, and you kind of so good. You kind of get the feeling. I mean, again, as we've talked about moving through the decades and stuff like that, we have characters that will carry us through some yeah. of these time periods, and it seems clear to me at least that Alita is kind of poised to potentially succeed Margot. Um, yeah, perhaps it's, down the road. It's unclear to me whether she ends up as a uh, as somebody at Mission Control or she ends up on a base somewhere. I mean, hmm. th- remember, the first thing in the show is Alita as a young child right. looking up at the moon as they cross the river into America. And I think that's very clearly the show laying down something that this is a person of historical importance. And this is an important moment, and it doesn't seem like it yet, but it will be. So her role as a backbencher here, right? Like, who are we kidding? Uh, Yeah, she's either going to run mission control when they land on Mars, or she's going to land on Mars. But I feel like those are the only options. Alita has a destiny, not because the character has a destiny, but because the show has said this character is going somewhere. When we tell this story, you will find out where she's going. And we're not there yet, right? I I feel like Alita may be like, I I would almost put money on it that Alita is a main, if not the main character next season. I think she's just certainly a main character for sure. Yeah. I mean, because you you also forward uh, 10 years and everybody's getting up there, right? You need a new generation of people to step in. So, yeah, I, for me, I, it was the scene where she is told that basically she can give the go-ahead on the docking yes. and puts on the earpiece, and you're like, moment. oh, yeah, she's going to be she's gonna be in there doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else is uh, what else is there? All oh, right. And, and, and uh, Sergei says, give us one orbit. So that's all sort of like they're still, they're still uh, pl- slow playing that. Back on the moon. So Gordo and Tracy are trying to figure out um, what they can do because they're trapped here and there's very much this like yeah we were in here and you know hi bob and all of that and what and like this was the whole thing and uh they're trying to work the problem because it's like well this used to be the whole base and this used to be the communications thing it's like you know we used to have the old s-band communication back in the day i wonder if that's still there and and a nice laugh out loud line of trace point like oh you really know how to sweet talk a girl this s-band yeah. <laughs> s-band chatter oh it's very exciting 
Um, right, and it turns out that it's just the antenna needs to be connected, and so Gordo, Gordo's up in the crawl, like, catwalk or whatever, like, crawling over and, yep. and figures out that they can hook it up, which leads to another fun scene with Aleda at the, at the oh, vending oh, machine of Destiny, Jason. Oh, yeah, hold, let's, let's hold it. We're going to get there. We're going to get there, because this is the big payoff moment for that. But but uh, in this scene, he's looking at the cabling. Um, we also get the scenes from the outside, uh, where there there's uh, Vance's outside, but then there's a Russian behind them, and and they're pounding at mm. the door, but there's no sound, and so he doesn't know because they're they're going through trying to see what's going on with the Russians. The Americans are going through, and uh, Vance gets shot and killed. There's an exchange of fire. The cosmonaut gets killed too. Um, this is all happening right outside the door. It's it's kind of horrifying. Um, in the exchange of gunfire, there some other stuff because again, you're you're shooting you're in, in space station. In space, Please in the, stop shooting things in space. Uh, and so uh the there's radio silence houston is freaking out there's a coolant pump shut down on the nuclear reactor at the station uh that's not great they bring margo into the secret room and say so here's the thing and this is the moment where i i uh i used a lot of bad words in my notes directed at the general who has up to now been sort of sympathetic and now i have no sympathy for him at all they're like yeah so here's this thing we did we put a second nuclear reactor up there and installed it but didn't hook it up to the backup uh because of because of a national security priority is what he says it's bureaucratic uh jargon for for garbage and uh basically so even though you've got a backup system it won't cover this and so everybody's gonna die and and shackleton's gonna be yeah and shackleton's gonna be nuclear you know radioactive for thousands of years and uh oops (laughs) our bad uh yeah that scene where it's kind of there's a throwaway bit right like you know uh or a significant shot but like when the the fire is exchanged and you see something go through the wall and you see it i think there's actually a nice fake out where it like goes through a part that says air and you're like, oh, no, they like won't be able to repressurize this or something like and they won't be able to get out, whatever. And it's like, oh, it's bad. But it's not until later where they start talking about it that we do the zoom in through the pinhole. Yeah. And we see the, like the, the wires are broken in a chip has been shot and all this. And you're like, oh, that seems bad. That seems and it turns out it's way worse. Really, really bad. Which brings us. Well, well they, and to point out yes. like, the other reactor they're using to refine weapons grade plutonium. Right. So, so, so again, the <laughs> answer of last uh, last week, which is, are you bringing nuclear weapons to the moon? And the answer was no, because we already <laughs> we already yeah. have the ability to make them on the moon. Yeah. Why would I bring them there when you could you know, <sighs> bring the radioactive cow for free? And uh, so now, Dan, <laughs> finally. Uh, I, I we're, we've been recording these episodes in advance, so I don't know if there's been a buzz about this in the larger world. <laughs> but I'm just going to say we were on the vending machine of fate very early on, and I feel like we have nailed it because here we are in episode ten, and what happens? The vending machine of fate. Alita is outside it. She hears a. She's looking at the vending machine. She hears some weird noises. Follows them into a storage room, and behind a box is the old <laughs> video conference terminal. Why is it still plugged in? I don't know. Government. I don't know. Yeah, and, and, that's fair. And, yeah. and Tracy and Gordo are on it calling for help. And at this point, everything comes out. There, there's been an attack. You know, there's a meltdown coming. They have to hotwire the nuclear reactor. Uh, Gordo's like, I can totally do that because I've been jogging, which made me laugh. <laughs> and, and we get a 
a moment that I'm sure was on the on the board of the writers' room for for all mankind, which is they're going to Apollo thirteen this thing. They're going to take everything that's in the galley and try to come up with a way for Gordo and Tracy to go rewire the nuclear reactor to the backup loop so that it doesn't melt down using having to go outside to do it using only what's in the galley which ends up being a face mask and a bunch of duct tape <laughs> so first of all maybe put your wiring inside is all i'm saying <laughs> like that's step one instead of putting it outside where you can't really get to it yeah if you have a suit, yeah well inside. i think actually the way uh, i read that is that this is the surreptitious nuclear reactor thing and so it's not wired properly yeah it's they, they, they stuck it, it on it the funny. outside of the station and then they plugged it in on the also, outside of the station who did it somebody had to the, know the, some of the, yeah. the, the they're dead know. now yeah. i don't i don't know yeah, but yeah, you're right. i don't know like how yeah. do you not notice somebody you can't installing secretly something? install a nuclear reactor no but i i think that yeah i think that somebody whoever it was in charge of uh, picking up the stuff from sea dragon was a military just, you know person i want to know tasked. what they knew and when they knew it jason all right there'll I be wanna, a hearing the senator up. uh ta- senator tower will will conduct mm. a hearing when so yeah we'll so, find this out uh, but this is the moment of the like it is both plausible and kind of ridiculous watching them <laughs> duct tape themselves and they hang a lantern on it right there's a part where they're in the airlock and they're like you look ridiculous you know <laughs> and it is right it's definitely it's I, wild i love it i love it because this is the apollo 13 answer this is like we have to do duct this tape. we have to do this <laughs> We don't have anything. We have a face mask that doesn't have oxygen, which is very much like the Expanse, actually. Yep. Face mask that doesn't have oxygen, but it'll go- protect our faces. We have to cover the rest of our, our body with duct tape to make sort of a duct tape spacesuit because we literally have no spacesuits in here. And then we have to run across the surface of the moon, uh, which in the sunlight is going to be like 200 degrees, and then the shade is going to be minus 200. And we've got to plug a thing in and flip a flip a switch and while holding your breath while holding your breath with your having breathed out having breathed out all your air yes so I, what i like about this is this it, it actually seems real plausible to me right this is a nasa solution which is well we got to do this thing what do we have? This is the best we could come up with. I was thinking, do you have like garbage bags? Yeah, or I was something? thinking garbage bags too, but they're probably not tough enough. Probably not. So yeah. this is what they got, and this is this is the question. I think this is one of the key questions of the of the whole episode is we because this happens, and then uh, jumping ahead a little bit, they go outside, and it's very dramatic. You know, they 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 say it, they have it, their <laughs> their last conversation with each other, basically. It's sadly comical a little bit too, right? Because they're running in these silver duct tape suits that look, I mean, they look like people in mocap suits almost, yeah. right? It's ridiculous. Well, it yeah. is patently but the, ridiculous. But they're, de- but they're it's desperate, dramatic. right? So, yes. so I love you, Trace. I love you too, Gordo. They go out. The The reactor stabilizes. They're taking too long. And, and it's, you know, it's a very heightened kind of like, oh, they're taking too long. Are they going to get back or not? Um, and I'll, I'll just, I'll raise it here. I'm curious what you thought. I found it very strange that they show them getting back inside and closing the door because one that motion that display says to me oh they made it and then at the end of the episode what we find out is they're dead in each other's arms they didn't make it and it's confusing to me because they made it back into quote-unquote safety and yet they died anyway 
I, I started to think about it and then I had to think about like, well, probably it was the expediency of production that they wanted a shot of them being dead, but they did. And they wanted the poetry of them being in each other's arms, but that wouldn't have happened if they had died, you know, asphyxiated out on the surface and they had to bring the bodies in. So they, they kind of fudged it. And I thought, okay, but why not just not show the door closing? Why not not leave you completely hanging about whether they made it in or not, mm. and then That's reveal fair. that they didn't make it in at the very end? Instead of doing this kind of fake, which is, oh, they did make it, but they actually, they, they, they achieved the objective that you thought was the thing that would allow them to survive, but they didn't for reasons that we don't disclose. It, it seemed like they messed something up there for me, where mm. I, was conf- didn't, I was confused uh, about this. It didn't, didn't confuse me. I assumed that they... I mean, I assumed it was just a, a fake out, right? Like that they were like, yeah, they're safe. Or are they? And for me, but it's I guess never it explained didn't... without some headcanon. You can't really ever explain like, well, did they close the door, they... but they didn't they didn't uh, have air. I guess my assumption was that they made it back, but they just died of the stuff, you know, of basically all the terribleness that happened to their bodies. Right. Because their suits are like, you know, you see them like bleeding through the yeah. parts of the suit and all that. And it's like. Some of you, some of that you can recover from, but it's possible they just were not, you know, they sustained enough damage that guess, there was no I, coming back. I guess from my it. point is you have to rationalize how they died because it doesn't tell you. And, and, and that's in the service of doing the fake out where you think that they're okay because mm-hmm. they closed the door. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, why, sh- why show them close the door? <laughs> why not leave you hanging about you know, that moment, like, did they make it back or not? So that the moment when you find, I would think the moment you, when you find that they died, they, they got back inside, but you know, they didn't close the door or whatever that would hit hard. Uh, as opposed to what it did do was it made me go, well, wait a second. What? Uh, which like when you're showing two of your main characters having died, I I don't know. Confusion is not the emotion that I think they wanted. That's fair. I I didn't get the same. I guess I did not. I did not end up feeling confused about it. Um, I just I saw it more as a pyrrhic victory of the you know they they achieved it and they even got back inside, but it wasn't. They couldn't do it fast enough to not die. I mean, and like I I thought it was interesting to. I I was convinced one of them was going to die. I was very confident of that. I did not think there was any way both of them were going to make it out alive. And I love that they have that conversation at the beginning. And Gordo basically is trying to play the hero, and he's like, "I'll do this. Don't worry about it." And Tracy's like, "No, that's stupid. Like, you. I don't think you can do all of this on your own. And I'm like, essentially, if you die doing this, and I could have saved you." Uh, by being out there too then uh, you know i should go with you um and i liked that because i liked at least her having the agency to be able to say like no screw it i'm not letting you do this on your own um but yeah there's still there are still some uh you know it's still got some problems like the um uh, fact that they did just orphan their children which was kind of dark yeah yeah and they they hang a lantern on that too but they're like but we need to do this and i appreciate it like and I'm not complaining about them dying because first oh, yeah, off, yeah. No, I think I understand you gotta, your point. I think you got to kill people here. Um, I, I I do. I think that with your decade by decade progression, you can't have all these characters sticking around, regardless of that. And that we've seen sort of this interesting arc for for both Gordo and Tracy getting to this point. Like I I accept that. Um, I just it's a it's a I would almost have rather and again i know why you don't do this dramatically but i'd almost rather the show had been a little bit clearer on the fact that it was very unlikely 
that they would survive and been more like they are sacrificing themselves. And instead, it tries to have it, I, I would say, both ways. It feels like they, they're trying to have it every way. Here. And mm. it's too many ways. I'd like to back. I'd like them to back off a little bit. But yeah, I do appreciate I what happens. And, and it is tragic. And yet also, I think the right thing for the show to do to have them die in this heroic way. Yeah, I and I it's tricky because as I said at the top of the show, I think running that balance between something that is dramatic and has these like, you know, jury-rigged moments of them duct taking themselves up contrasted with the fact that you're also dealing with something that it does look comical at times and i i had to laugh at that image there's like a slow-mo shot you know them jumping off the platform and running in these like very awkward suits and it turns tragic right because you see them like with bleeding through the suits and like you know that they're not airtight seals the adhesive is melting and all of that and you're like this is awful but also still kind of like darkly funny at times too and i'm not sure if that's what they were going for but that was like the impression i got and i could not uh, the thing that worried me was that it's a little bit heightened combined with some of the other stuff which we'll talk about in a minute of all this stuff so tense at the same time and so dramatic uh that it was at times just it's getting close it's yeah. getting close See, to that tipping point and it me. didn't for me at all like i yeah. i, I yeah. thought it was all very dramatic and that they're they're you know being you want to see them paying the price for being out there. It's not like, oh, look, we did it. Not a scratch. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm not suggesting it should be that they shouldn't show that or that that was the wrong move. It was just the, the. It, at times it struck an almost comical note for me with the, how ridiculous yeah. some of it was. Look, just like from an Im- imagery standpoint. Um, but yeah, I, I not, yeah. not, yeah. Yeah, it didn't feel that way at all. But um, I guess we'll see how people feel about it. Um, split decision here. Um, the, okay. So Ed, there's a, there's a real quick scene where they're talking about, uh, all the escalation here when they're on Pathfinder. Ed is very much a, you know, like a lot of those original astronauts were, he is, uh, an anti-communist. He says, you know, they're, they're going to take the moon like they took Eastern Europe and Southeast Asia. It is, there are a lot of astronauts, especially of Ed's age in real life who were astronauts, not because they believed in space exploration or anything like that, but because they believed they were doing their part in the great battle against communism. That is a, that is like a, a an astronaut of a certain age. That is absolutely a motivator for a lot of them. And so I thought that that was really a good bit of characterization that in the end ed is a a a navy guy and he can frame this whole thing in cold war terms which is important for what what ed does later and and, right and he is a he was a fighter pilot in korea right like oh yeah he was shot down right like he's a combat pilot this is where his background is from and he's he's in that mindset and he's in the mindset of the great struggle here that entire thing has colored his perception exactly right like i totally agree with you like this is it's very accurate i could totally see why his and, and you compound that with the fact that he is under extreme stress from his personal life as well yes. which is definitely clouding his judgment yep um the let's see at the bar <laughs> the plants are dead karen is drinking <laughs> Uh, Le- John Lennon is doing his concert in Madison Square Garden. Kelly arrives. She says, I sold the bar. Uh, Kelly is going to miss it. Karen is not going to miss it. And she says, are you divorcing dad? Uh, by the way, the air raid siren, let's go to the fallout shelter. Uh, yeah. Nobody mentioned what happened in the fallout shelter last episode. Yeah. Or two I thought about that ago. too. Why is there even a bed down here? What are you doing? Um, 
yeah a couple things in this one that struck me as uh, as interesting one Karen looks shocked when Kelly asks if they're getting a divorce, but Karen is just like, I think totally justifiably, Kelly is like, you're talking about going to India. Yeah. You're talking about going to college at William and Mary, yeah. uh, like in Virginia. Are you getting a divorce? Total, I saw you arguing with that. Totally Absolutely. logical conclusion. Absolutely. And Karen's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, really, no, Karen? Kel- Kel- well, I mean, but this is the thing is Kelly's like, I've seen all the signs. You are having a spectacular midlife crisis. Um. And Karen's like, meh. Like, she just, again, I think she just doesn't see it yet. Doesn't know, I, doesn't want to commit, doesn't want to. Yeah, I thought that was it. a. I thought it was a very. It's a weird reaction because she seems so shocked at the question. And I'm like, you got to know that yeah. your your marriage is not doing but well this is, right but now. The, I think this is. Uh, I like that. Like, I like that she's taken mm. back because she's not consistent sure her behavior isn't consistent this is yeah all right this she's she's kind of you know messed up and and yeah so they go to the fallout shelter because of the air raid sirens because there's a you know a threat of they went to defcon 2 and and the you know the soviets have their nuclear missiles off the coast of panama and they're targeting the uh the gulf uh coast on uh, the southern u.s um the sirens go off in mission control and Margot basically says everybody who wants to go go and one guy goes <laughs> and she <laughs> that says, guy's like i'm gonna be in the shelter <laughs> and then she says turn that thing off turn this turn that off they're gonna cancel apollo soyuz uh danny calls the soyuz and says have you heard what's going on out there um i'm tired of being used and told to smile and keep quiet they're like, oh, we know nothing of this. We are yes. loving the all who listen to this frequency. Um, and she says, what are they going to do to us? And the answer is probably, they will shoot me when I return to yeah, the Soviet yeah. Union. But she's like, let's go for it. I, But I love this because we saw in the previous episodes the bond that they established, right? Like, they call each other by the first name. They know each other now. Like, And again, it's as with Margot and, and Sergey in the couple weeks ago episode, it's showing that the biggest deals here are the small connections, the person-to-person connections. Those are the things yeah. that make a difference when you have these two gigantic war machines going at it and essentially, like, crushing anybody who stands anywhere near it. And it's really these moments of these like punctures through the wall where two people have made a connection. That is what ends up saving everything. And I, I thought that's great. That to me felt very true mm-hmm. to the whole Cold War ethos of, you know, we these the events around us feel unstoppable, but sometimes two people can make a difference. Yeah, that's right. And and they they made that personal connection and we saw that and it ends up being important what are they going to do to us uh i i can just i'm the captain of my ship and we're we can see each other so why would we not do this and yes they must also know that this is a moment where everything is tense and and even though the powers right the the systems are in collision and the systems want to destroy each other even if it destroys all the people and it's down to the people to yeah make I, personal I, decisions to make that happen. I, I enjoy that a lot and then i enjoy where <laughs> danny's like well you can either help us or we'll crash into each other on live tv and that won't be great so maybe you should just do the docking yeah i think one good thing should happen on this yeah. terrible day right and and ellen backs them up too right ellen yep. says i uh, yeah reagan wants to call it off but i am the president's voice in this room and i'm saying do it you do it and they're like alita you're a pain in the ass you're gonna run this docking and you're like all right we're gonna go we're gonna go for docking um 
By the way, Kel- at this point, Kelly and Karen are down in what I'm referring to now as Chekhov's fallout shelter. <laughs> it's like, why did we know about it before? Well, because of this. Uh, uh, she tells a story about finding her birth parents and I think correctly recaps what happened two weeks ago, which was, I was just another customer. He has his own life and family, and so do I, which is a nice little, like... I like this scene that yeah much better than the previous scene with them just because for me it landed much better I think it was it had a lot of emotional impact it really I, I like what they've done with Kelly this season it's been sparing at times but I think it's been just enough to sort of give us a good idea of who she is and that's exactly what she's exploring in this as we uh, hear later in the uh, the voiceover at the end of the episode which is from her too which is her college essay basically right. uh, I enjoyed this aspect of her you know also reassuring karen that she has her family and that they're yes. you know she has no desire to basically run off and go be with her birth her she's, birth father she's come out the other side of finding out you know that it's that terrifying period where they are interested in their birth family and does that mean they're gonna leave us and then they come back and I'm like no no we're not gonna leave you so uh yeah it's a it's a nice scene and i like it amid all of the terrifying things that are going on in this episode um the because so like Baran is coming they open the payload bay doors Piscotti opens it up because they got like <laughs> missiles in there meanwhile Apollo Soyuz yeah they're uh they're gonna they're they're they dock and it's like a happy thing hello Apollo so happy to see you again the pleasure's all mine that is happening so this is that moment and now it's planted there for the reaction that will come after all of the horrible things that there that the, happen uh happen very quickly i here. really thought they were setting this up for a tragic scene because right? they do the panning shots of all the things and every all the bars and all the homes are empty because everyone's in the fallout shelters yes. right and so you have this deeply tragic moment of like oh no they made the connection but no one's there to see it does it matter and it turns out it does because ronnie Reagan. sees it on the on the on air force one reagan <laughs> has been evacuated to air force one and he sees it and and calls uh, ellen and says it was beautiful she's like I, I decided we should go ahead sir that was my call and he's like it was beautiful she's thinking he's gonna you know say you, Canner, what, are, what yep. are you doing <laughs> it was beautiful nancy thought so too very important it was inspirational and i again I, I complained earlier about like the Reagan impression being not great. It's not bad. It's 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 uh, I've heard better, but it's pretty good. But whoever wrote this thing, like this is Reagan. This is how Reagan sounded. Was just like this. This was this is so quintessentially Reagan. It was beautiful. It was inspirational. Um, and we'll get back to that because that's the thing that saves the day in the end. Is is uh, the gesture uh, of Apollo Soyuz. Um, the Baran is closing on Pathfinder. We don't recognize right. your blockade. They say Sally and, Ride and finally has her moment where she's like hey um this is terrible Uh, we can't fight them we can't have an armed combat like this in space we've got to do something else and it's like i got my orders she's she's like you are the commander of the ship you testified and said that it was your call and you had to make uh the decision he's like but you know i was in korea the only thing these people understand is strength um step aside you're relieved and then we find out why they all got handguns last week which is (laughs) she raises her gun and says step away from the console uh because she doesn't want ed to start world war three essentially yeah and it's important to note too as we i think we may have glossed over this briefly but like they're out of contact right they're behind the moon bu- so they yeah, cannot right. talk to just, anybody just to amp it up there they yeah, are just, behind the moon uh, yeah. they cannot no talk signal to so it's basically them talking to the baron and the baron's like look we're we're gonna shoot unless you yeah. uh, basically stand down 
we're going to shoot down the sea dragon. And they're like, well, if you shoot that down, we're shooting you, right? So everything is, this is our Crimson Tide moment. Yes, where it's it like, is. Is the, all right, do it. Follow your orders. And like, nope, I'm not going to do it. And Sally Ride pulling a gun on them. Hey, I love the moment. It's totally badass. Yeah. Um, but also I was like, it's a little weird when you're like, this was a real person. I wonder if right. she was still alive. How would she feel about this? I don't know. Like, does did she, they, did they yeah. consult with the family? Did they consult with the partner it's a, about this it one? Is a little, it is a little wild. And of course, then Ed pulls a gun on her. Right. And they've got this like, you know, standoff happening. And, and Piscotti's like, what is you going to I love that moment ship. so much. Where we're Piscotti's in a pressurized like, spaceship. Yeah, this is insane. Yeah. And this is, so this is also the moment where we get the title of this episode, The Gray. It was like, we can't do both. The, you know, it's we don't live in a black and white world right it's which is about, what what karen said to him too earlier yep. about like yeah it's about the yeah, gray about, it's about the shades of gray earlier ride says it's cargo it's not the same as human life yeah. um and and then ed was like you know do what you have to sally and he goes and sits down and he, he's calling up his uh his weapon system and there's this moment of like what's ed gonna do and the answer is ed like i, I saw this coming yeah yeah like danny ed, we have another example of somebody taking the decision into their own hands a commander with responsibility for their own ship and i would say once again the triumph of the person over the clash of systems Right. Because I really do believe that that that's the message here is it's the same thing as saying that soldiers should not uh, accept illegal orders. Right. It is fundamentally in the end, it comes down to the people who follow the orders or refuse to follow the orders because they're wrong. If there is a nitpick I have with this scene outside of the moment in the moment, it's very tense and very good for the most part. If there's a nitpick I have with it after viewing it, it's Ed just tell her what just, you're going yeah, to do exactly right <laughs> exactly you can shoot me sally but i'm actually going to do the thing you want me to do yeah which it's like is uh, it's it's dramatic yeah. tension maybe, so you get, maybe you get the he license told her for that when we were cut away to the outside of the spaceship i don't know yeah, they, i don't know but like it definitely yes. is clear just you know. be clear about what you're doing and then sh- you won't have a risk right. of her shooting and, you exactly and the ship you know we it's all set up right like we see the missiles shoot out and it's going for the brown and then they take a sharp left turn and blow yes, up the sea dragon of course uh which is the only answer i mean i concluded it as well as we're watching this like well if you shoot it down yourself then nobody gets hurt um and there's also a bit of a moment here which i'm sure again suspension of disbelief <laughs> they have the scene where they fly through the wreckage and i'm like that's yeah. a terrible no, idea you would destroy there is your... debris everywhere <laughs> yeah you don't do that that's uh, a but that's, you know, an, we're that's an armageddon you... level moment there yeah yeah Dr- dramatic dramatic license yeah. you can have this dramatic sure. license for this so uh, but it's a great it's a tense scene where she's got the gun on him and he's got the gun on her and you're like wow this is oh this is some scary stuff this is like the you're inches away from armageddon yeah so um then we get in very we get the, having had these two moments we get our plot resolution which is uh Reagan reroutes Air Force 1 to Moscow for it, for an impromptu meeting with and drop off to pull back from the brink uh the cosmonauts leave the station Everybody has been moved by the Apollo Soyuz link up and reminded of the fact that we are uh, all people and have commonality and shouldn't destroy each other. Um, the cosmonauts, by the way, they go and they they look at the defector, but you know he's staying behind. Um, we discover that Gordo and Tracy didn't make it. 
Um, and then we cut to basically um, Arlington National Cemetery for the uh, funeral for Gordo and Tracy. Um, they put playing cards on the grave. They put flowers on the grave. We hear a voiceover that is Kelly her, doing her college essay. She tells about how a plane leaving Vietnam crashed and some of the babies on it survived, including her, which is a really interesting little detail. Um, and she says, maybe we're all just drifting, you know, trying to do what's right, trying to give meaning, uh, which is, again, trying to sort of like, I, I would say, impress the importance. We talk about the plot and the characters on this show. That is the theme of the show, right? Is It's the people trying to do the right thing that matter in the end. And they're the ones who resolve the plot is that it, people in the right place do the right thing. Um, also important to note here, uh, Kelly leaves with her mom in one car yes and then ed leaves in his car because they're not together (laughs) right i mean she's still i did note she's still wearing her ring yeah in that last scene so i mean it it may be that they are separated right we don't know they're clearly going through a bad patch for sure for sure i I think it's i think it's a, a a nice note that the show makes that ed is not with karen and kelly not even on this day not yeah. even for the funeral do they meet up somewhere and travel. He is in his own car. He is separate from her. Yeah. Just a yeah. reminder, things aren't fine. That's like the yeah. note that they're that they're leaving there. And there's that line, um, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's okay, not the it's end. It's not the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, we get our, yeah, the Arlington National Cemetery and, you know, a nice Ed drives off in his Corvette. Yeah. And- <laughs> Margot gets a call from Sergey. This is the thing we mentioned earlier where he's like, I'll be at a UK conference. Maybe we can have a drink. And the army guy's like, good, good. She worked for us now, even if she does not know it yet, which is like our little thing. And then we get the most Battlestar Galactica thing that this show (laughs) could ever possibly do. Uh, it, we it's, start in the uh, Eternal Flame. Eternal for, Flame for JFK. Of, of JFK. And it's like, there must be some way out of here. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's Battlestar Galactica. It's come as you are, as you were. It's Nirvana. We're headed for the 90s. We lift up off of the ground, through the clouds, go to the moon, just pass under Shackleton. We see the lights at yep. the South Pole of the moon. And then we zip on to Mars. Which you knew was coming, right? You have to yep. know it's coming. Well, they talking about it all season. And through a dust storm and down to the surface uh, where it's the surface of Mars, very familiar from all of our Mars rovers and all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, a title comes up that says it's 1994 and a boot steps on the surface of Mars. End of season. And whose boot? I know, right? Well, it's, das boot. It, what a, it, I think a better way to end it than what they ended season one, where they had the Sea Dragon launch as a post-credit sequence. I think this was, yeah. I like this approach better, which is we get the, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's Mars. The they're they're tease, laying down yeah. their card for for next season, and uh, and we'll find out how they get there because that's that's, that's exciting. Yeah, the it's story. Cool, cool stuff. Very different. Obviously, like you know, that, that's a big change, right? We we already had the the moon base, which is already a big change from our reality. Um, but you know, going to Mars still still haven't gotten to Mars. Uh, yeah. Twenty five so, years yeah, after uh, after the moon landing, right? In right. So firmly 
firmly rooting us in a science fictional era too which makes right. me wonder about all the things like we saw all these advances right also in the 80s like they had the electric cars and they had the cell phones early and the laptops and all this like kind of makes me wonder where the 90s right. technology what, what is going to be 2000s and 2010s technology are we going to see in the have, 90s all have iphones yeah. in, in the 90s Mac or something phones. i don't know yeah exactly Ooh, apple phones um yeah they're all using newtons or something i don't know <laughs> Uh, but yeah, lot to come there, and very exciting. I thought this. Uh, I thought that was a great tease. Yeah, yeah, good, good way to end. Uh, way to set the stage with Nirvana of all things to to take us to the '90s, and how we get there. Like again, obviously, the elevator pitch of this show is. Uh, what if the what if the Russians landed on the moon? Space exploration first. Space exploration advances, and we're going to take it a decade at a time every season like that is i think baked into the premise and so what you end up with is this thing of um the gaps between seasons and then how do we get where we're going and like what stories do you want to tell as a part of that and so is 94 you know mars landing is that what season three is all about is the path to to mars what is the state of the soviet union or russia as a part of that um how are the characters we know involved in that? Those right. who are like all of it's, that is is just out there as a, yeah. a thing for for speculation until next season. It, it's also interesting because I think even within the course of the decade, the amount of time that we see, at least in this season, right? It was probably only a few months. Yeah, this is very uh, very seven days in May. Kind of like here is the critical juncture. We're telling the story of this thing that happened where Apollo Soyuz and Pathfinder and the Moon Base incident, like all of these things happened in 1983. It was it was like the Cuban Missile Crisis. It was like a huge moment in history. And although season two didn't, you know, when we went into it, we didn't know that that's what we were seeing. That's clearly what this whole season is is about this small window of time when all of these things happened happened and now we're not going to come back and have it be 1986 right we're going to come back and have it be if not 1994 probably you know, sometime is my in guess, the early yeah. 90s where they're they're headed for that moment where somebody is on the surface of the moon or of mars and that's they're going to tell another story and that, that's what the show does right is they're telling a story of a pivotal moment in this alternate history involving space um, but they're not doing a, you know, every episode is a year kind of thing. It's right, like of a exactly. pivotal period in time where we get to catch up with these characters and see or what heck, they've done since we last saw them. Yeah, maybe they've been on Mars for a year now. Who knows, Who right? Knows? Like, right. There's, no, right. Yeah. there's nothing in that that tells us anything other than that there's a person on Mars in 1994. We don't know anything yeah. else about that. But who it is, are they first, or is it somebody who's lost? <laughs> like, yeah. hey, is anyone it's, else it's, here? It's Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it could be yeah, anything. No, could, could it be one of our characters, like you said, one of our, you know, Seems we've got like a whole it, bunch of people. Kelly, Danny, uh, Aleda, like so many possibilities right. for who might be the first people on Mars. I don't know. I, I love it. I'm, I'm looking forward to a third season, I gotta yeah. say. I'm, I'm really, I thought this season was much like the first season. Like, there's some ramp up at the beginning and then it kind of just hits you know hits overdrive that throttle goes forward and you are just glued to the back of your seat there was only that one episode that i thought was kind of dull episode four maybe three four but otherwise like i thought every episode was good was like yeah and that build-up is incredibly impressive like that the fact that we take all these threads and and we really do spend time with the characters and and it is a character show character driven show despite the enormous 
you know, plot and technology overhead. The fact that we have these great character moments and we see what these, these, you know, characters are doing and making good and bad decisions. And ultimately the two great decisions that save the world in the end. Um, it's just a, and a great ride. Like I liked season one a lot, but I, I admit that season one starts out kind of pokey and then, figures out what it's going to be and then by the end i think it's in pretty good shape but season two i think was at another level like this is yeah this it was started very strong and it kept it going pretty strong throughout if i had any things that i did not love in season two i think mainly karen's storyline and some of that is i can't tell how much is we know what we want to do with her but it's going to take some time versus we haven't 100 percent like karen we haven't 100 yeah. percent figured out we gotta what give her karen story something is. to do what's it gonna yeah, be and, let's have her have a midlife I, crisis uh, yeah, and it's like, I like that, but it also felt in some ways very disconnected from yeah, a lot well, of what else was it, going on. It's hard, and it, and it, because originally the show was really primarily Ed and Karen and Gordo and Tracy, and three of those people are astronauts, and then there's Karen. So right. what do we do with Karen? It's like, well, she's got an adopted daughter, and she's running a bar, and I think that maybe this is also the show, like, again, I'm split on it. It's like, they need to give her something to do, and... So they do. But also, I think that that is inherent in what they give her to do is the fact that she is kind of at 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 loose ends yeah. here. It's I part think what of I str- why she does what she does. What I struggle with about that is that in some ways it feels like a lot of her storyline amounts to let's give something to make Ed really tense about in space. And it, it, it just because I don't know where it's going. Like, if it turns out we have that, like, throwaway line a couple of weeks ago where she's like, ah, space tourism. Maybe somebody about selling tickets to space is like, oh, maybe she'll be selling tickets to space. Maybe. I don't know. Like, that would be interesting. And at least it would tie her back into the right the thing. Because right now it feels like this is a show about the Cold War and space and this one woman who owns a bar. Who has a midlife <laughs> crisis, like, right? What? Yeah. It's like, that's fine, but it's not really connected to anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, so, I, I and I understand. I agree. Like you said, also there, part of it is str- tinged with the fact that, like, oh, I like Karen. Why is Karen so sad and doing Why? such terrible yes, things? Exactly. Right? Like, I, I like that character just fine. I just, uh, I felt like she, she was tough. here to make bad decisions. It's tough and to it's see like, her do that. That's that's tough. Yeah. yeah. So I'm hopeful next season if she is still around, and I imagine that she and Ed will probably still be around Seems in some like, capacity. Yeah, uh, she's gonna. That, the, I mean, they left her in an interesting in place, which is that she has. Yeah, she is right. seeking. She is seeking. Uh, uh, a new thing for herself a- and what is that thing i i imagine we will find out yeah i will say that scene that one scene where she walks into sam uh, sam's office and she's got her you know pantsuit on and everything i had a flash to uh did you watch halt and catch fire by any chance i haven't oh it's a great show but it takes place in the 80s and it's a you know i was thinking like oh maybe she's gonna become like an, a tech entrepreneur or something <laughs> i don't know uh i was like oh that would be interesting i'd like to see that uh but yeah maybe she'll get her mba and be doing something space or technology related yeah maybe well dan that wraps it up we did it that was it we made 10 it. episodes 10 weeks thank you to everybody out there for listening to this podcast we appreciate it and i guess we'll be back in a year mm-hmm. to talk about so. season three on mars we go to mars maybe i don't know let's go to mars should we go to mars but until then one last time, we will close the airlock. <laughs> I've got this duct tape here. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to use it. And uh, and say goodbye. Dan, it's been a pleasure talking about the show with you. This whole season has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Spasiba, Jason. Dasvidanya. Tavrishnow. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>